it goes through air, Bob, that's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things. Mr. President, don't you think if you were more forthright with the American people, more lives could have been saved? Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. This whack job that wrote the book, he said, well, Trump knew a little bit. They wanted me to come out and scream, people are dying, we're dying. No. Just so you know, this is worse than the most deadlier than the most strenuous flu. Okay. And then you went out and said it's just like the flu. You know, this is five percent versus one percent and less than one percent. You know, so this is deadly stuff. I didn't lie. What I said is we have to be calm. We can't be panicked. It's deadly stuff, Bob. I'm Arlene Biner. And I'm John LaBoutlier, and this is Revolution. Oh, boy. These quotes from the Bob Woodward book, John, they're going to be part of our lexicon, I think, in the next few years. Throwing in Bob, deadly stuff. And here we have a massive punch. On our last podcast, we were dealing with the Goldberg Atlantic story. It was huge. Talking about the military. And now we have tapes from Bob Woodward and his new book, Rage, that in the president's own words, he's admitting he knew how serious this virus was. He even knew it was aerosol because he had intelligence reports in early days, but he was downplaying it. And as we'll get into this podcast, those two stories are showing a little bit of movement in current polling. John, what a week it is following on the military story. On so many layers. First, public policy, inadvertent, unnecessary deaths by hundreds of, well, by tens of thousands of the 190 plus thousand Americans didn't need to die if the public had been sufficiently warned by a president who knew how dangerous it was. We now know that he knew it because we have him on tape repeatedly telling Bob Woodward that. So on that level, as the president, it's an unmitigated disaster. On the political level, the level of stupidity of a president admitting this on tape over 18 phone calls, nine hours of conversations with Bob Woodward, knowing it was coming out with eight weeks to go before the election, as Senator Claire McCaskill, a former senator from Missouri, put it, this man is too stupid to be president. I mean, just no one in Washington, regardless of party, can believe this guy did this. And you had a sense when you listen to this, because we're, we know this person now. We mm-hmm. read his tweets. We hear his voice. You got a sense with that arrogance of Trump that he, he thinks he's changing Bob Woodward's mind. And let's just throw out it. Bob Woodward, this is not his first presidential book rodeo. And look how it worked out for some other presidents. And why don't we go through just some of the things that he said, and we'll talk about how how it is resonating and how it may resonate, and unfortunately, how it may not resonate. He admitted that it was serious. You know, he kept saying in the rallies and to the American people, this is no worse than the flu. We know he called it a democratic hoax, but to Bob Woodward, he says this is deadly stuff. Yep. And since our last podcast, which was right after the Atlantic broke their story on calling the soldiers uh, losers and suckers, you know, I, I, I had many uh, radio appearances that I do every week with 
Trump liking hosts with uh, an audience of Trumpers listening. And they didn't believe it. They said, no, we don't believe Trump ever said any of those things. We think it's all manufactured by the mainstream fake media. Okay. That's what they say. Well, what do we get from Bob Woodward? But we get Mm -hmm. in 2017, yeah, 2017, in quotes in the book, Donald Trump tells his trade advisor, Peter Navarro, quote, my fucking generals are a bunch of pussies, unquote. Those are Trump's words, not mine. He speaks of his generals that way as president on the record, in the book, quoted by Peter Navarro, who's a total Trumper. So there any doubt that Trump said all these horrible things about soldiers, generals being losers, babies, it's all true. That's confirmed before we even get to the aerosolizing of the pandemic. <laughs> We're getting confirmation that Trump said these horrible things about our troops. Then he compounded it on national TV on Monday at a White House press conference, he's reeling from the Atlantic. We don't yet have the Woodward book. This is this past Monday. He comes out and blasts top officials at the Pentagon for loving to have war so that the companies that make planes and bombs make a lot of money. Now, he claimed that as the president of the United States. Those top Pentagon officials work for him. He put in all these people in the Pentagon. He's the one who's been bragging for three years about selling arms to Saudi Arabia, big arms deals everywhere, making money off the arms deals. What is he talking about? And then in the Woodward book, there's a follow up to that Navarro comment that he made to him in 2017. They care more about their alliances than they do about trade deals. All right. Isn't that what generals are supposed to do? Respect international alliances and not care about trade deals. So that is also very, very telling. You know, it really hit me. Two of them really hit me. MBS, Khashoggi. There was always a sense that the president didn't say enough, didn't seem concerned about it. Did the United States do everything they could? And we know the Washington Post, where he was a columnist, they really went hard on this. And here he is talking to Bob Woodward saying he saved MBS's ass with Congress. I mean, who speaks like that about a situation where a man in the United States who's been writing columns for the Washington Post got murdered and got dissected, according to all credible reports. I mean, it's just hard to fathom. Dismembered. And they started dismembering him while he was Mm -hmm. alive in the Saudi embassy in Turkey. And you're right. Trump rarely condemned Saudi Arabia for this. And we now know that his son-in-law, Jared Kushner and MBS are fast friends who take trips together, talk all the time, and they let him off. There's no sanctions on Saudi Arabia for murdering a state-run murder of an American resident. And then he tells Woodward in the book, 
He denies it. He denies it strongly, Bob. Well, we've heard that before. He said that about Vladimir Putin and the interference. And then we have seen the very credible evidence that just isn't so. And may we say the hits just keep on coming here. Kim Jong-un, and he's talking about his, his relationship with him, how well he gets along. And in order to seemingly prove that he gets along with Kim, he said he told me in great detail how he murdered his uncle. Wow. And then you think, here's this president saying, you know, he has a great relationship with him, love letters. And then even more, he reveals, John, a secret nuclear program that was not supposed to be public knowledge. These conversations in this book with Bob Woodward are very strange. Well, look, I think we could analyze it from a distance that Donald Trump is a loser. Donald Trump, in a way, knows he's a loser, but he wants to prove he's a winner by name dropping and hanging around with the numero uno journalist of our era in Washington, Bob Woodward. So he's calling up Woodward at night at 10 and 11 o'clock at night, telling him stuff. First of all, classified information about a secret nuclear program just to show how important he, Donald Trump, is. And I got to tell you, yeah, as a reporter, you know, you know when somebody is trying to impress you and you just keep it calm and you soak up all this information, which is clearly what Bob Woodward did. And then this week, he calls Bob Woodward a whack job. (laughs) Well, he's no whack job. And by the way, just to go back to Kim Jong-un murdering his Mm -hmm. uncle and bragging about it, what kind of president of the United States is impressed by that and wants to have a relationship that he mm-hmm. says, we fell in love? He didn't say that to Woodward. He said it publicly. Why? What, this is not the kind of person that we can extol as someone on the level of a president. I, it's terrible. But anyway. Let's talk, you know, I kind of teased at the beginning some of the new polling that we have out, and there's lots more to come, but there's a Yahoo News YouGov poll. It's one of the first ones to kind of show, has anything, this Atlantic story, the Woodward story, has it mattered? And John, some of these numbers show quite a lot of movement. We don't see this much movement usually in a poll. How are you viewing them? I mean, it looks like this may have have hit home base here a bit. Well, as we record this podcast, the Woodward thing has really just begun because we haven't yet had Mm -hmm. 60 minutes on Sunday night. And you have to think Woodward and CBS have saved a juicy tidbit or two from the tapes for 60 minutes on Sunday night. But even with that, 15% of voters say the Woodward tape makes them less likely to vote for Trump. And 23% of independent voters say the Atlantic story about the troops makes them more likely to vote for Biden. That's a lot. That, that You're right. That's big movement in a short period of time with more to come as more quotes, more tapes come out. Lordy, there are tapes. And thank God there are, because if Woodward just claimed Trump told him this mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. the Trump base would say, ah, he made it up. We don't believe it. They're having a hard time with that now. They can't deny what's on tape. I also just want to talk for a moment, and I always 
I always love to do this. And I say it once, I'll say it again. They're human beings, whether you love them or hate them, politicians. And when we look at them, it's so interesting to try to read body language. And he looked on his back heel this week. His, he, he looked terribly worried. He was behaving in ways that he, he doesn't usually do. He was calling news conferences to announce nothing. There was no major announcement. He seemed to be doing what he was doing with Woodward. He always thinks that he can talk his way out of things. And I know there's a great thread by David Frum that kind of elaborated on this. And it really seemed true. And he was trying to do it to the American people. You know, he's talked to banks. He's talked to voters. He's talked to creditors. He's talked to everybody. And he thinks that if he just keeps talking, and that's what he was doing this week talking, 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 and tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. I think, what did he do? Like almost 90 tweets one morning. He was, he almost set a record, just, you know, a stream of consciousness almost. So uh, clearly this is getting inside of him. Well, yes, I agree with that. I, I, to use a different expression, same thing. When a snake lands on Trump, when he puts a snake on his lap, he quickly tries to throw it into someone else's lap, get rid of the snake. So this week, he took the snake and first he threw it at Woodward and made it as if it's Woodward's fault that Woodward didn't publicize mm-hmm. Trump's quotes six months ago, which is mm-hmm. crazy. And then when that didn't work, he summons down to the White House the surefire, you know, sycophant of all time, Janine Perot of Fox. To give her this one, which is it looks like, according to Trump, Joe Biden is taking performance enhancing <laughs> drugs. Those are Trump's words that, that explain how come he's so lucid and competent on the campaign trail. And he's not the drooling idiot that Trump and Fox have made him out to be. Well, they, there is a wild story from a president, right? But at least it gets you off of the Woodward thing for five minutes to talk about is Biden taking performance enhancing drugs. That's how desperate Trump is to change the subject. Mm-hmm. And many he's using the many are saying it. Yeah. I'm hearing people say he knows to try to legally cover his ground. What else do we know about the polling? We just was we were referencing a poll that is taking into account these two big stories. But when we look at the state polls, he's still a little needy out there, isn't he? He's trailing in a lot of those important swing states. I I went through all the polls this morning before we record. And basically, Donald Trump, even in the swing states, is in the low 40s. And at worst, Joe Biden is around 49. And often he's above 50, which if you're at 50, you're winning that state. Hillary never got to 50. That was the problem. They had a third party, Jill Stein, on the ballot. Hillary was hanging around 48, 47. Trump gets to 46, and you're in the margin of error. And on election night, he won those three, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, of course. This time, on average, he's behind by eight points in each of those three states, and he knows it. So he's not giving up on them, but he's not spending any money there. And lo and behold, he's looking for other states to make up for that. And off he goes this weekend to Nevada to do two rallies out there, even though the government won't give permission to do it. But he's desperate to find electoral votes somewhere else. 
And that's one state he's going to go back and try to get New Hampshire, which he lost to Hillary. Um, He's desperate to find electoral votes somewhere else. And meanwhile, you know, Biden uh, maintains his lead and doesn't have to do much because Trump is killing Trump with the Woodward thing, the Atlantic thing. And what's going to come next? There'll be something else coming. Well, we had a promise from Jeffrey Goldberg at the Atlantic that there was more. And then we have this Durham report, long seen as something that Trump was perhaps facilitating with the attorney general to counteract the Mueller investigation. And then we had somebody working on it quit. And the reporting is that they did not want to be part of this pressure. So already we're, we're, we're seeing that could be trouble on the horizon. And we're waiting for more stories. And as you say, we don't know everything, all the juicy tapes. I'm sure 60 Minutes have more. Uh, Clearly, the president has plans and the Democrats have plans and the Lincoln Project have plans. And there are individuals, I bet, who are going to begin stepping forward. But this has been an incredible, really barrage of of books that have packed a punch, his niece, his former lawyer, Michael Cohn, and now Bob Woodward, a trifecta of problems from books for this president. Well, that's true. And they've each gotten a day or two of good publicity. But maybe the one that got buried during the week, because there was so much news, is top aide in the Department of Homeland Security filed a whistleblower complaint and Mm -hmm. came forward publicly to claim that he and Homeland Security had been ordered by the Trump White House to downplay ongoing Russian interference in this election. Not talking 2016. We're talking right now. Homeland Security sees the Russians again trying to do what they did four years ago, even in a more sophisticated way, apparently. And this guy was demoted for trying to get this out to the public. And Microsoft said the same thing, that they've found huge interference by the Russians in hundreds of accounts trying to influence the election. That's a huge story. All right. One more thing. I, I want to throw one more thing is we've got Rudy Giuliani, one of his associates, has been labeled a Russian asset. So... I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, it's just too much, really. Well, and and the one that ties it all together is Dan Coats, who Donald Trump appointed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as head of the Office of National Intelligence, as the head of all the intelligence agencies. A friend of mine, we were in the same class in the House of Representatives together, outstanding human being, has told Woodward that he believes Putin must have something on Trump. There is no other explanation for Trump's behavior. That's come out in the Woodward thing. All right. Let's uh, let this settle like seeds. And have they landed in fertile soil or are they going to be blown away? For this week, I'm Arlene Bynum. They're all deadly stuff, Arlene. (laughs) (laughs) Bob. Bob. Yeah, Bob and everybody. It's deadly stuff. So this is John LeBoutlier and this has been Revolution. I'm not saying the military is in love with me. The soldiers are. The top people in the Pentagon probably aren't because they want to do nothing but fight wars so that all of those wonderful companies that make the bombs and make the planes and make everything else stay happy.